There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to, the, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Hey, it's great to have you with us today. My name is Rich. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. And we were fortunate as a family last weekend to get down to the south coast, to Bournemouth. And we swam in the sea. And it occurred to me, this is when I feel most alive. Swimming in the sea, diving into the waves. Now, granted, when I came out, I couldn't feel my hands or my feet. It was that cold. But still, I love it. I feel alive when I'm in the sea. Now, I appreciate that's not everyone's idea of fun. But how about you? When do you feel most alive? Or when have you felt most alive? Maybe it's something high risk that you've experienced, an adrenaline high. Or perhaps for you, there's a place you go. Maybe it's somewhere you go back to regularly where you just relax and unwind. Or maybe you can remember a season or a time in your life where you just felt you were really living. Well, today we're wrapping up this series about what it means to find God. And through this series, we've been following the journey of the prodigal son from the story we've just heard. Back in week one, we talked about longing and how it was longing that led the younger son to set out for a distant land. And we explored how we all have these longings in us for things like love and purpose and meaning. And that actually these longings are good. They've been put there by a loving God. But then in week two, we looked at regret. The point in the story where the young man comes to his senses. And we considered how we all try to fulfill our longings on our own in all kinds of things. And how we can get trapped in this endless cycle of going after the next thing and the next thing. Looking for fulfilment but then experiencing disappointment when we realise these things don't give us what we're looking for. Then in week three, we looked at help. And this is where the young man goes home. And for us, it's when we admit we're powerless to fulfil our longings on our own and we discover that there is help and that help has a name and his name is Jesus. And then last week, Neil talked about love. And this is where we realise just as the son realised that his father loved him, that God loves us deeply after all. 
we discover our identity as a deeply loved and unconditionally accepted son or daughter of God. Well, today in this final week of the series, we're going to end this journey by talking about life and what it means to really live. See, the reality is that although many of us can probably think of moments when we really felt alive, they're often just that. They're moments. We'd love them to last forever, but life isn't like that, is it? Life can be very ordinary, mundane, and it can be very hard at times. For some people, it's hard all the time. I wonder, have you ever felt like you're going through life, but there's no life in you? What does it mean to really live? Well, here's what Jesus promised in John's gospel. Jesus is speaking here about his followers, and he says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations put it a bit differently. Instead of life to the full, they say an abundant life or a rich and satisfying life. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of life. So we're going to look at two things to do with life to the full this morning. We're going to look at how we get it and what it looks like. So how do we get life to the full? When we think about life to the full or an abundant life, we can often think it means more, that it means more experiences, more money, more satisfying relationships, more rooms in our house, more things in our diary, more stuff. We can connect fullness of life with this idea of more, but that's not what Jesus is getting at here. See, the original language of the New Testament has more than one word for life. And there's a distinction between different kinds of life. So one word for life is this word bios. And bios is our natural life. It's where we get the word biology from. It's about our biological, our chronological life. And our bios life is limited. We only have a certain amount of time. And we all know this, our bios life deteriorates. It runs down over time. So I'm 41. And when I take my son Sam to football training, I'm aching to get out there on the pitch with him. I want to dive around and do overhead kicks. But I know that I have to be much more careful than I used to be. I can't throw myself around like I used to because injuries take a lot longer to heal. And I've experienced that plenty already. Our bios life runs down over time. But there's another word for life in the New Testament, and it's this word, Zoe. Now, Zoe life is different. While bios is the biological life that we all have, Zoe is the spiritual life of God. It's the spiritual life that is in God for all eternity and and which made the whole universe. It's this spiritual life of joy and generosity and creativity. And when you read the creation account in the Bible, it's full of this Zoe life. The creativity and joy and generosity of God are poured into the things he creates. And Zoe life ultimately refers to eternal life, to a kind of spiritual life that never ends. But and here's the really exciting thing for us today. Zoe life is also about the quality of life that God has for us right now. Because when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, he uses this word Zoe. See, Jesus isn't talking about bios life, about us having more of the same. No, Jesus is talking about a quality of life with God that changes us. I love how the great Christian writer C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia books, he puts it like this. He, he says this, Bios, Bios, to be sure, has a certain shadowy or symbolic resemblance to Zoe, but only the sort of resemblance that there is between a photo and a place or a statue and a man. 
A man who changed from having Bios to having Zoe would have gone through as big a change as a statue which changed from being a carved stone to being a real man. And C.S. Lewis goes on to suggest that actually this is what Christianity is all about. That in our natural, normal selves, we are statues. But there's a way that we can really come to life. How do we do that? How do we really come to life? Well, it's through knowing God. And we see this contrast between Bios and Zoe life in the story of the prodigal son. Because when the younger son asked for his share of the estate, it says the father divided his property between them. And the word translated as property is the word bios. So the father divided his life between them. Everything he had, he divided between his sons. And this younger son, therefore, has everything the bios life has to offer. And the point of this story is that the bios life doesn't fully satisfy. Is that your experience? We can have everything we thought we wanted from a worldly point of view, and it just leaves us feeling empty. We see it in this story, the bios life represented by the lifestyle this young man chooses and where he ends up and the Zoe life, which is life back with the father. So how do you get the Zoe life? How do you really live? Well, this kind of life can only come from knowing God. Jesus said, didn't he? I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth and the Zoe He is life to the full and he came so that we could experience this new kind of life with him. See, if you want to get warm, you stand by a fire. If you want to get wet, you get in the water. If you want to know joy and freedom and peace and generosity, then you get close to the one who is all these things. I love what Psalm 16 says about God. It says this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Why is there fullness of joy in the presence of God? Because this is what God is like. He's full of joy. He's full of the Zoe life. And this is what he wants for us. See, Jesus didn't come just to tweak our human lives so we could live better, so we could win at life. He came so that we could have new life, spiritual life, the kind of joyful life that he's always had with his father. How does he do it? How does he make it possible for us to know this kind of life? Because he became one of us, the eternal God from whom all life came, the one who spoke the universe into existence. He became a human being. Or to use C.S. Lewis's analogy of the statues, it's like the great sculptor became a statue. Just stop and imagine that for a moment. He became like us so that we could come to life. He died so that we could know life to the full. See, we can be alive in a biological sense without being anywhere near as alive as we'd like to be or as God intends us to be. Finding God means not only discovering the love of God, it means discovering the life of God that he has for us. Zoe life, life to the full, is about a quality of life that can only come from knowing God. So what does this all mean? Well, it means that if you're not a Christian, then God has so much more for you than you're experiencing right now. There's more meaning. There's more purpose. There's more joy. There's a greater sense of being alive than you've yet experienced. God doesn't want you to settle for the bios life when he created you for the Zoe life. But it also applies to you if you're a Christian, because how often, even when we know Jesus, do we still try to settle for the bios life when there's so much more that God has given us? So what does it look like, this Zoe life? Well, 
Let me just highlight three things about it. If you, if you like, for each one of these, you can ask yourself, am I living this kind of life right now? So first of all, life to the full is a life of celebration. Because do you see what happens at the end of the prodigal son story? The son comes home and the father throws this great party. And it's, it's like his reflex response. Quick, he says, get the fattened calf. And they have this feast. They celebrate. The father puts on this extravagant party because his son is home. And God celebrates every time one of us come home to him. And if we know that we've been rescued, that we've been forgiven, that we're deeply loved, that we've been given this new life that will last for eternity, well, surely that is worth celebrating. And that's what we do when we come together as his church on a Sunday. And of course, right now, that's hard. And for you, it might be that singing worship songs in your lounge or your kitchen feels strange. That might not work for you. And even when we gather together, our town centre site is different at the moment. We can't for now at least worship the way we'd like to. We can't sing out like we want to. But maybe this is a time to find new ways to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Maybe that means getting creative. For some of us, expressing our celebration through art or music or creativity. Maybe for some of us, it means writing down the things we're thankful for. Maybe it means intentionally setting aside time each week just to celebrate the simple things or to just thank God that we've been welcomed home. The Christian life should be a life of celebration, of deep contentment and joy. Now, of course, this isn't about pretending that everything is good. It doesn't make the struggle of life any less real. This year in particular, there have been challenges the like of which most of us have never faced before. And this isn't about pretending everything is okay when it isn't. But it does mean seeing things from a different perspective. We're going to see two wonderful examples of that in just a moment. The author, Lewis Smedes, puts it like this. To miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. See, our God is the most joyful being there is. He's not grumpy or grim or melancholy. He's not indifferent or apathetic. He's full of joy. And he comes after us and he lavishes his love on us. If we've been welcomed home by this wonderful father, let's not be apathetic in our response to him. We have so much to be thankful for. Life to the full is first and foremost a life of celebration. Second, it's a life of community. You know, we live in an increasingly isolated society. And of course, this year has made people more isolated than ever. Who would have thought words like quarantine and self-isolation would become so much a part of our day-to-day language? Building relationships and keeping them going has been hard this year. But the truth is, even in normal times, we find this hard. We can be in a room full of people and still feel alone. We can know people for years and never really connect with them. But God has wired us in a way that we need genuine connection with others. And it's particularly important in the church. We need friendship. We need accountability. We need the challenge and encouragement of others to grow and flourish. We need it because the journey is hard. This is why we talk about small groups so much, because it's about community. And I know, again, this is hard right now. Doing small groups online is it's not the same as doing it in person. It just isn't. It's tiring. It can be draining, particularly if you've been in online meetings all day. But we must make this a priority because we were never made to live this life on our own. We need each other. 
It's so important that we're doing life together as a community of grateful sons and daughters. So are you in community? Are you in a small group? We're looking to make more small groups available now for this second part of the term. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a group, just click the link on our website to join a group and we'll help you to connect with others in the church. And if you feel there's not a group for you and you're a member of the church, well, could you lead a group? Maybe you've got ideas for new ways to connect. Well, we'd love to hear them. I'd love to hear from you. Because life to the full is a life of community. And finally, it's a life of contribution. See, God has plans and purposes for this world. His desire is that every single person would live every second of their existence knowing they're relentlessly and passionately loved by him. It's his desire that everyone would find him. And the remarkable thing is that he invites us to contribute to this, that we would risk loving others because we know that God has risked everything in loving us. See, my guess is that the prodigal son in the story, his perspective and his sense of purpose would have been changed by the journey he went on. I doubt he would have ever looked on a hungry man or woman the same way again because he understood now. He could empathise with them. His perspective had shifted. When we get a glimpse of the new life that God offers us, we see the future differently. Our priorities change. Our lives can become about something that's bigger and better and more meaningful than ever before. We've heard some great personal stories from our church in this series. And have you noticed there's been a similar twist in many of these stories? Liz said in her story a few weeks ago that God didn't just change her life, but he opened her eyes to see other people's pain and her. And he put a longing in her to share with others who Jesus is. James's story. Remember James's story? As a young man taking as many drugs as he could get his hands on. And now James helps leads our ministry, King's Table, providing support to those with life-controlling addictions. I mean, how did that happen? Well, that happened because God gave him a new purpose in life. We've also heard over the last few weeks good news stories. Stories of ordinary people in the church reaching out in all kinds of ways to women caught in sexual exploitation in our town, to the homeless, to those caught up in debt. What's happening here is that God is involving ordinary people in his mission. He's inviting us, he's calling us to contribute, to partner with him in the amazing plan he has for this world. And you have a role to play too, because you have a story. And you may not think you do. You might think, well, my life isn't like any of the stories I've heard. Well, maybe not, but if you know that God has welcomed you home, you have a story of grace, a story of being forgiven. And you have gifts and abilities that God has given you. And you have passions and dreams that he's put on your heart. And he's calling you to use those things to contribute to his purposes. To see ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. I'm going to end this morning and we're going to end this series with two more stories. And today's stories are a little bit different. We're going to hear from Tim and from Val, both of whom would say that the bios life they're living is not what they were hoping it would be, or what they were expecting it would be. But they both know that there's something deeper going on. Now it's worth saying that we first showed these videos about four years ago, but both Tim and Val have agreed to showing them again. Let's hear what Tim and Val have to say about the kind of life they have in Jesus. 
I'd been a Christian for just over 40 years and in the church um, for that length of time as well. About 10 years ago, I started noticing a weakness, particularly down my left side, left arm, left leg. So I went to the doctor. Eventually, they came up with the, the diagnosis of inclusion body myositis. Um, myositis is an inflammatory muscle condition. The answer was, there's nothing we can do for you, I'm afraid. Um, this is what you've got. We'll help you manage the disease and um, you've got to get on with it. I was 25. I'd just got married two months before in the August and in December. And I was diagnosed having multiple sclerosis. So two months after I was married, I was down for multiple sclerosis and I've had that since. At the time, I was in the fire service I was a leading farmer, so I was doing well. I was the fittest person in the world, and now I'm unable to do anything except be in the chair all the time. And I've got carers to help me get out of bed and to get into bed in the evening, and I really struggle with that. I would love to be able to give my wife flowers all the time. That started when I first started going out with her. I gave her flowers every week. And suddenly not to be able to do anything, it's very hard. And that same thing applies to my kids. I used to come home and grab my little daughter, but now I can't even come home and only my child takes all my energy out of me. Now my family go off for holidays. When they go to holidays, it's just so much easier for me to stay here. It's very hard to see them going. It's quite a life-changing illness, actually. Um, far worse than I at first imagined. There have been life has been very challenging not only for me but for my family also for for Derek my husband gradually I've lost the use of being able to do most things I used to love driving um, I've had to give up driving after hitting a mud bank and crunching the car um, I would love to cook as well. I always loved having people around for meals and baking cakes. I've had to give up doing that with the, the, as the use of my arms and hands has been going. And I think one of the, the hardest thing I've found is not being able to pick the grandchildren up, particularly when they were babies, um, not being able to hold them. Something that's very important to me is actually knowing the love of God, knowing God's closeness when everything goes to rats. Even this morning I woke up, my body's not working, even simple things I can't do. And I turn around and say, God, it stinks, it really does stink, but I trust in you has been hard 
to really get to the point of feeling and seeing how much God loves me. Um, I've particularly felt God speaking to me during times of worship at church um, when I, I've sometimes I've felt really quite lifted almost lifted out of myself and thinking well it doesn't matter what happens to my body down here it's what matters up there when I'm up there with him I've really cried out to God sometimes and said why me and I felt him say I can trust you because I can trust you and I've just felt a peace during that time People ask me sometimes how I cope and I guess the short answer is there's times when I don't cope but I've got God, how I've got God with me promising to walk, he's promised to walk with me through the dark times, through the difficult times and I know he won't let me down, I, I know that whereas I have limitations with my body, with what I can do, but there's no limitations to how much God loves me. I'm bugged by MS. It really is horrible. But if I die still working on MS, then I die. That's all right, because I've got a relationship with God which will exist far longer than my relationship with MS. Well, in the last four years since we first showed that video, both Tim and Val would say that their BIOS life has weakened further. But I spoke to them both last week. Tim, I love chatting with Tim. He's such a great encouragement. He said to me this, he said that God has been so good to him and he continues to be so good to him. Val... This wonderful woman of God, she acknowledges that in many ways her life is getting harder. But God has promised to be there and Val says that he's always been faithful to her. Both Tim and Val have a life in Christ that goes so far beyond bios life. They celebrate what God has done for them. They're in community with others in the church and they contribute to the life of the church in wonderful ways. Tim and Val are living Zoe life. How about you? There's an invitation this morning to Zoe life, to life to the full, a life of celebration and community and contribution. In a moment, we're going to do the first of these things. We're going to celebrate what God has done for us through worship. But I wonder if it's time to take a moment here just to reflect. To ask yourself, where are you in this? Are you living life to the full right now? Do you want that kind of life? If so, then I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. If you want that kind of life to the full, then why don't you pray this prayer with me? Father, I thank you for the way you made me. With longings that only you can satisfy. Where I've drifted away, Father, draw me back to you. Thank you for the new life you've given me in Jesus. Through your Holy Spirit, help me to live this new life. Help me to know a deep 
joy and contentment in you. Help me to find community in your church. And help me to find my purpose in your plans for this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we draw towards the end of this Finding God series, we're going to celebrate what God has done for us. So as Simon and the band lead us, let's worship in whatever way you'd like to. Let's thank God with grateful hearts. Let's celebrate that through Jesus, our Father has welcomed us home and given us new life. That we were lost, but now we are found.